everyone, and welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green. We've got a great show for you this week. Ryan Pannone, the assistant coach for Hapoel Jerusalem, joins us to help us break down the 2019 Basketball Champions League Final Four. The Final Four is just one week away. It's coming up May 3rd through the 5th. We've got four great teams from four different countries. It's going to be an amazing event. So make sure you check that out. Listen to what Ryan has to say coming up soon. He has some great analysis. We wanted him on the show because Hapoel Jerusalem played three of the four final four teams. So Ryan has some next level analysis, really great stuff coming up. So stay tuned for that. Also, we're going to go through and break down our MVP, our coach of the year, and our best young player from the 2018-19 Basketball Champions League season. Joining me to do that over in Germany is David Hahn. Dave, Final Four is one week away. How are you feeling? Yeah, can't wait. Uh, the whole season we've been waiting for this uh, for this event, and um, it's really just uh, a week away. So uh, fans can uh, be be anxious and uh, await this thing and. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the analysis that we got from uh, from Ryan was absolutely fantastic. Uh, really glad that we uh, the, that actually uh, that somebody played all three teams, you know, and really was able to kind of go in depth on on three of those. So that was cool. Yeah, we got some great analysis from Ryan. Hapoel Jerusalem, of course, they lost to Tenerife in the quarterfinals. They were also in the same group during the regular season as Bomberg and Antwerp. So he played against all of these teams twice, was part of the uh, coaching staff there at Jerusalem, drawing up schemes and coming up with ways to try to stop these teams. So we talked to Ryan for about 40 minutes about what these teams do well, what are some of their weaknesses, where they uh, teams can look to exploit them, how you try to stop Tyrese Rice, which is a pretty much impossible task, uh, how you go about trying to slow down Paris Lee, all of that great stuff. So definitely stay tuned for the interview with Ryan Pannone. Also, Make sure you go check out the official website, championsleague.basketball. There's a lot of articles on there right now to get you ready for the Final Four. Deacon Lloyd-Smith has done a great job with some closer looks on each team's. Right now on the website, there's The Return of the Kings about Tenerife and Super Freaks about Broza Bomberg. Very in-depth breakdowns, uh, pretty similar to what you're going to hear from Ryan coming up soon. So make sure you go check those out to get you ready for the Final Four. Also, you can now vote for the center position for first and second team star lineup from the Basketball Champions League season. You can also vote for your guards and your forwards if you haven't done that yet. And make sure you go back and listen to last week's podcast where Dave and I gave our picks for first and second team star lineup for the BCL. We also interviewed the BCL CEO, Patrick Cominos, about uh, starting a sports league from scratch the growth of the BCL over the past few years, and of course, the Final Four in Antwerp coming up next week. So go back and listen to that, and make sure you subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv to watch the Final Four next week, May 3rd through the 5th in Antwerp. It's going to be amazing. The first semifinal game, Virtus Bologna against Broza Bomberg. That's at 6.30 Central European time. And then after that, the hosts, Telenet Giants Antwerp, will face the 2017 champions, Star Tenerife. That's going to be another amazing game. And then the third place and the final will be on Sunday, May 5th. So subscribe to LiveBasketball.tv. Download the official Champions League app for everything you need for the Final Four. 
All right, Dave, let's jump in with our picks for Coach of the Year. And if you are in Antwerp tonight, you are just about to start a party. Antwerp. All right, Dave, some good candidates for Coach of the Year. I'll let you go ahead and uh, choose first, and hopefully we don't have all the same picks for these. Now you're going to give me the uh, the pick first. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Roel Moores, the coach with Telnet Giants Antwerp. Um, you know, looking at, you know, really a couple of different reasons. First of all, the thought process and also fortitude, I would say, to to keep the entire team, almost the entire team from last season, together, um, and to to then bring this team through three qualifying rounds. They just missed last season's regular season. Also, after going through three qualifying rounds, to get through that, and then you know you can look and say okay with the youngest team you know everybody under 27 also not a lot of experience uh we talked to Paris Lee earlier in the season he talked about how much he learned from Tremel Durden obviously he has so much experience and i think that helped a lot for these guys um and you know for for a guy like um you know for one of the young guys who's actually in the in the in the in the uh in the running for the young player award for Thomas Akasili for example he played with Moore's uh before he went to the United States to play for Colorado for 2 years he actually played with him so i mean Moore's is a legend in this club and um you know to to keep them all to 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 get them through that group which obviously, you know, all four made it to the quarterfinals. So obviously you saw the strength in that um, to, to get past Mercia, who, you know, were one of the top teams from the, from the group stage um, and to have them in the, you know, they're the dark horse candidate. I would, I would probably say of these four teams at the final four, even though they are hosts. Um, but you put that all together uh, and, but I really think this goes from last year, you know, getting getting these people on board and keeping them. Um, and I think you kind of really do have to go back to last year and then going through just missing going through three qualifying rounds and then getting through three, three qualifying rounds. That's who I got. Yeah, I also went with Roel Moores uh, from Telenet Giants Antwerp for for the reasons you mentioned. You know, one of the, one of the youngest teams, not a ton of experience. Uh, to get these guys through the quarterfinals all the way to the final four is a testament to him and of, and of course the players as well uh, for all the work they've put in. Uh, they're the ones who are on the court actually executing and making this thing happen. But Moore's he draws up some great plays. Uh, this is something that Igor Djurkovic and Deacon Lloyd-Smith did a great job of highlighting on the website this year. Uh, just draws up beautiful beautiful stuff out of timeouts, uh, puts his players in a good position to succeed. But more so than, than the tactics, the X's and O's, uh, just uh, the confidence that he instills in these guys, the mentality that he had them playing with, especially in the playoffs where everything um, was you know amplified, the pressure was more intense. Uh, the teams were better. The scouting uh, was, you know, more diligent in those high pressure situations. You know, he had his guys 
playing calm, playing under control, put them in a good position to succeed, got them to the final four. So I think, I think Moores did a great job. And I think it's very impressive for a young coach. You know, you mentioned he, he just wrapped up his playing career very recently. He's only 40 years old. I think that maybe helps him with a young team like this because he can kind of relate to these guys a little bit more than, you know, somebody who's in their sixties or fifties and hasn't been playing for a while. I think, I think he could relate to Paris Lee and, and all these, these young guys guys on the team. Uh, so I think that was probably pretty helpful. But yeah, Rollmore's great season for Antwerp. Uh, one of one of the rising young coaches in Europe, without a doubt. Uh, he's got a great coaching future ahead of him. Dave, uh, lo- looking at some other candidates, um, I think, you know, Tus Vidoretta deserves some consideration from Tenerife, getting them to another Final Four. Looking at the other Final Four teams, uh, Bomberg and Bologna both made coaching changes uh, at various points in the season, so tough to to go with one of those two, but I, I think Perego at Bomberg has done a really nice job. And I'll give a shout-out to uh, Maki Skiatris from Prometheus, who uh, was my pick for coach of the regular season. Prometheus uh, were one of the surprise teams this year, coming out of Group D, a, a young club with not much history. Uh, you spent some time there in Patras, in Greece, getting to know them and their story. That's a club that's really on the rise, and he did a great job in the regular season. And then in the quarterfinals, they come out, they beat Tenerife by 12 points in the first leg of the quarterfinals, but unfortunately, Tenerife took it to an entirely different level in the second leg and eliminated Prometheus uh, in the second leg of the quarterfinals, but there's a good chance that Tenerife go on and win this whole thing. So there's no shame in losing to a team like that in the quarterfinals. So, or in the round of 16, excuse me. Um, so, uh, he was kind of, uh, an honorable mention candidate for me. But yeah, I think gotta be role Moores. Is there anyone else that you considered for this? Uh, I actually, I actually had Gautier second. Um, just the fact that, you know, he, they made it through that group. Uh, you look at teams that, that didn't make it Stra- from that group, Strasbourg and Bayreuth. Um, and, and then to, to take it to Tenerife and, uh, okay, you know, um, they just kind of got punched in the face in the first quarter and didn't really know how to handle it just because they didn't have that experience where you, where you look at Tenerife and you probably, they're the most experienced team in this competition, I would say, uh, or, or right up there. Um, but just the fact that, that this club was, you know, you know, uh, you know, not even in the first division, you know, three years ago, uh, and now, you know, taking it, uh, really, you know, 12 point victory, you know, no team ever had ever come back from a 12 point victory. Um, and so, you know, we almost all, you know, said, you know, okay, Tenerife is the, the team that could make, you know, that could come back. Uh, but you take all that and, and the, and the great season that they had, I had actually, I had to get to a second. Um, and then, you know, Perigo, okay, uh, you have to be impressed with that. But, you know, the pieces were all there. They had a couple injuries that came back, Hickman and Taylor. Uh, but you look at Rice, you look at Zizis, those leaders were there. Um, and, you know, they were kind of underperforming uh, a little bit. Uh, and and Vinaretta, okay, yeah, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to, you know, give him a mention as well. But, you know, as we've talked about all year, that core of six, seven guys was back you know, from two years ago, you know, he came back, uh, after being away, uh, but that whole group was, was pretty much there. So, uh, I think Morris first and, and for me second, and I think for me, a clear second, um, is Gautris. 
Butler gives it over to Black. Black high on oh, the first alley oop dunk of the game by Owen. All right, moving on to the best young player award, which is given out to the best player 22 years and under. Dave, I'll go first for this one, and I know we, I think we have the same pick for this one as well. I'm going with point guard Tamir Blatt from Hapoel, Jerusalem. He had an amazing year all season long. Uh, the numbers are great if you, if you're looking at the numbers, 10 points per game, seven assists per game. He was third in the league in assists per game, first in total assists as he helped Hapoel, Jerusalem make it to the quarterfinals and almost to the final four. He did struggle in the quarterfinals against Tenerife, only six points in the first game, three points in the second. Struggled with his shooting. Uh, I think, I think the experience of Tenerife kind of got to him a little bit. They, they had a good game plan and were able to take away some of the things that he likes to do. But Blatt had an amazing season. That Tenerife uh, series is going to be a good learning experience for him. He's a smart kid, a tough kid. I'm sure he's going to go back and watch that and, and, and learn from that and improve going forward. But really an amazing season from Tamir Blatt. He also shot 40% from the three-point line as he did a good job stretching out those defenses. He threw great alley-oops all year to Josh Owens and to Sean Thomas and uh, just, you know, great pick and roll player, puts his, puts his big guys, uh, get, gets them the ball where they need it as they're rolling to the rim, always, uh, you know, finding shooters on the perimeter and just very composed throughout the season as he helped a great Hapoel Jerusalem offense, uh, pr- the best offense in the BCL throughout the season with a 21 year old point guard running things. That's pretty impressive. So I went with Tamir Blatt. First, for my Best Young Player Award, uh, Dave, did you also have Tamir? Yeah, I did. Um, and I, I, I mean, you know, really you have to think, uh, you know, as the the leader of the number one offense in the league, played the entire season as a 21-year-old. He won't, he'll turn 22 and uh, turn 22 in about a week. Um, two point eight assist to turnover, which is really really solid in general. And then if you think, uh, you know, in the in the you know in the BCL um, as a twenty one year old, uh, and then everything else you just said. So I mean, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think, I think this will probably be a runaway. Um, I, I really think that there are other guys that deserve serious consideration um you know you you look at um uh, you look at Emmanuel Cate from 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 Mercia uh you know 7.3 points 5.3 rebounds shot 62% um uh 1.3 re- blocks that was tied for fourth in the BCL uh you know you look at that second game against Antwerp he had uh, 10 points 5 rebounds 7 blocks um, so I, I think Kate with, um, with Mercia actually really deserves a lot of, uh, consideration and Lucas Amanich, you know, you look at the end numbers and they're, they're pretty solid in general. You look 8.2, 5, 8.2 points, 5.0 rebounds, 0.9 assists. But you look at the, you know, he really developed more and more over the season. And, and those last six games, he averaged 13.1 points. Uh, 40% on three pointers, uh, 6.7 rebounds and 1.2 assists. So, you know, you really saw, and, and, and again, they were in Olympia was in that, you know, that group of, uh, death group D with all of those great teams. And so he was playing against one great team after the next. Um, and, and he's, and he's actually younger 
uh, than both Blatt and Kate. So, you know, Samanich, I mean, Blatt, I can, I, I can't imagine anybody else winning it, but um, it, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be undeserved. Let's say if either Kate or Samanich do win it, I don't think they will, but you know, those two guys, uh, are definitely, you know, uh, s- you know, very serious, solid candidates. Um, did you have anybody else? And, and obviously, you know, I'm sure you have something else to say about about maybe one of those guys as well. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, both of those guys, Kate and Semenich, were kind of my next in line after Blatt. I d- I do think there's a wide gap between Blatt and the next person on the list. Uh, but both of those guys had good seasons. Kate, like you mentioned, with his toughness, uh, his his ability on the interior was was really crucial for a good Morcia team. And Samanich, the second half of the regular season was excellent, especially going up against tough teams like uh, Bologna, Besiktas when they were really rolling. Samanich had some some amazing games. Games. And yeah, like you mentioned, the youngest of those three guys, he only turned 19 years old in January, right at the end of the regular season. So an impressive year for Samanich. He might be the best long-term prospect of all of those guys. Uh, he's, he's got a really bright future ahead of him. So excited to see where he heads. So he he's definitely in consideration, but you know, the team just not quite good enough. And also, uh, he was, he was inconsistent there at the beginning before having a really strong season. Uh, another, another guy who could be in this discussion, uh, Gitas Mishulis from Neptunis had a pretty decent year for them. Uh, Luis Olinde from Bamberg, uh, had, had some really nice moments, especially later in the season in the, in the, uh, round of 16 and in the quarterfinals. He, he played pretty well. So he was another guy who you could put in the conversation. But yeah, I think it's, it's gotta be Tamir Blatt in a runaway, but there is some great young talent across the BCL. He puts it on the deck, steps back, puts it up with the left hand, Tyrese Rice has done it yet again. Now Rice again is starting to heat up, Tyrese Rice. Rice, oh, what a finish from Tyrese Rice. All right, and the top individual award from the 2018-19 Basketball Champions League season, the MVP. Dave, I'll let you go first on this one. Some tough decisions. Uh, Maybe the quarterfinals perhaps swayed your thinking, but who do you got for the 2018-19 MVP? I think think that Rice, Tyrese Rice... um, you know, sort of a spoiler, I guess. Um, you know, the you when you when you look when uh, you know t- uh, Ryan uh, Panona is going to you know kind of talk about you know what it's like to sort of game plan against him, and 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 listening to that, you know, really just hammered home just how, uh, just how 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 uh, a commanding person and, and player and, and everything else. I, I mentioned it actually, whatever, a couple of weeks ago, you know, he's such a, he's such a, a, a commanding personality, you know, there, there's, um, you know, he, he emanates, uh, you know, power and, and leadership and, 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 uh, you know, to hear, uh, you know, Ryan talk about how, you know, you know, everything kind of, uh, the whole game plan starts with with him. You know, he's he's such a huge shot maker um, that uh, I, you know, and a team that that made the final four. Uh, I just I have to go. You know, and and and, and knocking off uh, Ike. Um, I, I'll, I'm going to go with Rice. Um, 
and I, you know, okay, we all we we all said kind of Hunter was was maybe the regular season, but you put uh, you put in the postseason as well. I think uh, for for me that um, that 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 big game performance uh, just was 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 more than enough. Uh, I have a feeling it's three for three on uh, on awards for us. Yeah, for me, this was a two-man race. Uh, Vince Hunter, I thought, was unquestionably the regular season MVP. He was incredibly consistent throughout the year. And then you look at his final averages. He led the league in scoring at 18 points per game. He was third in rebounds at 8.1 per game. He led the league in field goal percentage at 66% shooting from the field. Uh, and we, and we mentioned last week when we talked about him, he, he made both of our first team star lineups at the power forward spot. Just his activity, his energy, his hustle, his heart, all of the things that, that don't show up on the stat sheet. Vince Hunter brought that energy to Ike and was a huge reason for them, you know, advancing as far as they did. You know, th- th- this was a team that had some struggles earlier in the year. And then Hunter went on this ridiculous run where he had 25 points against Dijon, then 24 against Fuenlabrada, 28 against Leek Cabellas. And after that point, he was in double figures every single week in scoring. So a great season from Vince Hunter. But I agree with you. Tyrese Rice, I think, wrestled the award away from him in the quarterfinals. Rice finished the year with 16.6 points per game. That was fourth in the league. Uh, and just, you know, up and down a little bit in the regular season. There were some quiet games in there, but when it got to the postseason, it was Rice time. He stepped it up another level. In the round of 16 against Banvit, he had 20 points and five assists in the first leg in Bomberg, then goes to bon- goes to Banvit on the road and drops 32 on Banvit to get his team past them and into the quarterfinals. And then against Ike, Similar situation in game one in Bomberg, only seven points. Ike did a great job on him defensively, but in the second game on the road in a hostile environment in Athens in front of the biggest crowd in Champions League history, he goes crazy. 25 points in the second leg, including the series clinching shot, that beautiful little lefty floater right over Howard St. Ruse, who played great defense against him. Uh, so for me, it was Tyrese Rice really stepping up, getting his team to the final four. Um, you know, if Vince Hunter had knocked off Bomberg, if, if he had gotten a, a shot, uh, on that final possession and could have put Ike into the final four, then I probably would have gone with Vince Hunter. But for me, it's got to be Tyrese Rice. So those, those two, I think, were, were head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, but Dave, if we're going to throw in some more names into this mix, uh, who, who else do you think would be worthy of consideration? Uh, well, I mean, I got to go with, uh, definitely Tayshaun Thomas. <laughs> um, uh, and, and I'd, I'd say Tayshaun Thomas, maybe Paris Lee, maybe those two. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's probably from my, for, from my point of view, you know, you have to look at somebody who's, who's, who made it pretty far. Um, you know, mate. Yeah. I don't, I don't know about, about the Tenerife guys, punter, you know, but there was a little bit of, uh, not necessarily up and down, but. You know, who do you, I mean, like you said, it's really kind of that two, two man race. Who, who else do you think? I mean, I think probably Lee. And then, I mean, everybody who listens to the show kind of knows my, my affection for, uh, for Tayshaun Thomas. So, but you know, who else would you, who else would you maybe have? 
Yeah, I, th- I think Lee has probably got to be in the discussion there. Uh, you know, he he had a great year for Antwerp. Everything uh, that they do, you know, Ryan mentioned this mentions this coming up. Everything Antwerp does is kind of based off of the play of Paris Lee. He had a great season and uh, and stepped up in the playoffs for them as well. Um, another name, this this guy, he didn't make it quite far enough. He had some injury issues. Uh, but I thought, you know, if they had made it to the final four, you could also put Kendrick Perry in the conversation just because, uh, that Nizhny team was so reliant on him. They really needed him. Uh, in the round of 16, he goes out and gets 34 points against Raya Venezia, uh, to, to put Nizhny into the quarterfinals. And then, uh, you know, 17 points, eight assists in the loss to Antwerp. And then unfortunately he was injured and couldn't play in the second leg. Uh, but Kendrick Perry had a really great season and I think just kind of had to shoulder, uh, a lot of the, the workload there at Nizhny, whereas some of these other guys had a little bit more help. You know, the, the Bologna guys, that's a balanced team. Same with Tenerife. Nobody, no individual really stands out. That's a team with, where a lot of guys were stepping up and making contributions. Uh, so Kendrick Perry didn't even make my second team star lineup, but I, th- I think he, uh, deserves a shout out there. Top 10 in both points and assists per game in the league. So he, he was somebody else just kind of on the fringes of the discussion, but definitely Tyrese Rice or Vince Hunter, I think has, has to be the choice there. All right. So that's going to do it for our awards wrap up. Remember, you can go back and listen to last week's podcast to hear our, our star lineup, first team and second team. But just to recap, Dave and I both chose the same people for all three awards. Coach of the year, Roll Morris from Telenet Giants Antwerp, best young player, point guard Tamir Blatt from Hapoel Jerusalem, and MVP Tyrese Rice, the king of the fourth, Mr. Clutch for Broza Bomberg. So that's going to do it for the awards. Coming up next is our conversation with Ryan Pannone, assistant coach for Hapoel Jerusalem. Ryan was part of the coaching staff for Jerusalem that went up against three of the four final four teams this year. They were eliminated by Tenerife in the quarterfinals. They played against Bomberg and Antwerp. So it was great to get his analysis. So stay tuned for that. Coming up next, Ryan Pannone. All right. So joining us on the show this week, we have Ryan Pannone, the assistant coach at Halpo Jerusalem. Uh, Ryan, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Um, First off, I guess uh, congratulations on a, on a pretty strong season. Uh, you guys were make it to the, able to make it to the quarterfinals. You one of the reasons we wanted to have you guys on was because uh, have you on was because uh, Hapo Jerusalem actually played against uh, three of the four teams in the in the basketball Champions League final four. Um, and I guess we'll start with the latest one uh, that you guys faced off was uh, Ibero uh, Star Tenerife you guys uh beat Tenerife by 2 points at home and then lost by uh, 17 on the road uh maybe what happened in that return leg well uh in the second game you know i, I think to beat Tenerife if if you watch them play a lot of their offense is really based on drive and kick threes and so they they in my opinion play with the, the NBA mentality of they don't really want mid-range shots, you know, so they want to finish at the rim and they want to shoot threes. And uh, they're one of the top three-point shooting teams in the league. And to beat them, you know, I believe that you have to hold them under 33% from three, uh, which is something we did a really good job of in the home game that we won by two. We held them to, 
uh, 31% from three. And the way that they play defense, uh, they, they do a very good job of taking away your rolls and pick and rolls and taking away dribble penetrations. You have to shoot the ball really well. Uh, I believe in order to, to have a good chance to beat them. And, you know, at home we shot 36% from three. On the road, they did a really good job. Uh, number one, uh, their, their confidence at home is completely different. Uh, with their crowd and their fans, their confidence is completely different. And they shot 40% from three. They started off on a good run, uh, making tough shots, making, you know, nice driving kick extra past threes and we didn't do a good enough job of of taking their threes away and so when they got on the roll with the threes uh it made it a very difficult game for us you know when, when they're knocking down shots they're very difficult to guard uh you know i think to beat them you you have to think about how to take away their dribble penetration threes and there's a few options one obviously playing good containment defense two looking at switch and pick and rolls because a lot of their offenses is derived off their pick and roll, uh, dribble penetration and kick out passes with the hard rollers and Iverson and Sayets. And they do a very good job of reading your different type pick and roll defense, making the short roll pass, playing off the short roll. And uh, against us, they just made shots. So it was a tough night for us. And they did a very, very good job defensively. And, you know, we shot the ball very poorly. Yeah, Ryan, we, we thought your big guys would give Colton Iverson a lot of problems uh, because he's, he's struggled in the past with more athletic bigs. And, of course, you guys have some, some great athletes, uh, Josh Owens in particular, on that front line. Uh, but actually, it seemed like he was really able to dominate just with his size and, and his physicality around the rim. You, you look at that matchup against Antwerp. They also have a really athletic alley-oop finisher in Ismail Baco. Do you see Tenerife as, as maybe having kind of an advantage there, um, you know, facing a, a guy like Owens, who's pretty similar to Baco, I think, just in terms of being like a rim runner, lob finisher type of guy? Uh, do, do you think, you know, one team kind of has the advantage there at that center spot? Oh, I, I think what, what helps Tenerife is if you look at uh, – Individually, they don't have very good defenders. Uh, their their dribble, their guard defenders aren't very good. And White and uh, San Miguel and Basis, they're not very good individually. They're very active. Uh, and Iverson isn't a very good individual defender. But what they are is a very good defensive team. And so they do a very good job of covering for each other. Uh, stunting, eliminating your dribble penetrations, helping on driving kick situations, so helping the helper uh, with multiple stunting teams. And so what they, they did a good job of with Iverson, our goal was to attack him, uh, was using a deep flat or even a quick show to stay attached to Owens. So I believe what they did against us was they were going to take away the role of Josh Owens and they were going to take the role of Amari and they were going to live with uh, Tamir and, and Jay Coven trying to make the play and, and finish and choking off our outside perimeter shooters. And when you're talking about playing against uh, Antwerp, Antwerp uses a lot of empty corner pick and rolls. And so they, they try to have that empty corner clear quarter to use Baco as that lob threat, that rim threat. And the way that Tenerife, uh, it'll be very interesting because the way that they play their pick and roll defense is the typical Spanish ACB style next uh, defense. So they're going to use that top defender 
after the wing pick and roll with the empty corner to, to try to choke off the dribble so Iverson can stay with the roller. They do a very, very good job of, of protecting Iverson. So for us, that was something they did a really good job of against, and I think they'll play Baco the same way and just try to choke off his rolls by keeping Iverson connected and using the next guard uh, to eliminate the dribble penetration of Paris Lee. What do you what do you think about how this rebounding battle is going to be? I mean, they re- out rebounded you in both games. Um, the first game, they they turned seventeen offensive rebounds at the twenty two second chance points, um, and you know they have two. I'm not going to say new big guys, but Thompson and 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 Moses are are kind of sort sort of working their way into the lineup and everything else. How do you see? Uh, you know, rebounding, you know, they always talk about rebounding and especially offensive rebounding playing such a big role. How do you see that kind of playing out? Yeah, I mean, Tenerife has, they've done a really good job. You know, they didn't play as early in the season, as aggressive as an offensive rebounding team as as I believe they had the last 10, 12 games. And, you know, we're the number one rebounding team in the league and they beat us in our own game. Yeah. You know, they destroyed us on the offensive boards. They were very aggressive. And, you know, that's something we did a really good job of at home to beat Antwerp. Uh, We did a very good job on the offensive boards uh, at home against Antwerp. So it'll be interesting because obviously Baco is a very good uh, offensive rebounder. But Tenerife, man, they're just they're strong and they're very aggressive in their offensive rebounds. Uh, I I think that the rebounding battle will go to Tenerife. They've got they've got bigger size on you know, and I, I think they've got stronger guys and you know bigger size across the board. They're also the more experienced team. You know, they won the 2017 BCL title, and a lot of that team is back. Um, but you know, now they're you know you mentioned that that their home court uh, advantage is 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 such a huge home court advantage. You know, this is a road game, a true road game. You know, with with Enfort being the uh, the home team, you you experienced. Uh, playing Antwerp at home, and also I I don't remember if it was their first home game of the BCL or or but it was very early in the season, and obviously they were so excited to finally play uh, in the BCL regular season. So you kind of maybe got a little bit of an atmosphere of of what a home game at, um, against Antwerp could be like. What what do you think uh, as far as uh, the experience of a team like? Uh, Tenerife against a team, you know, we've all been saying all season, you know, this is the youngest team. Nobody's, uh, you know, older than 27 with Antwerp. You know, I, I think Tenerife experience is, is going to carry them very far. The other thing for them is this is probably the only title that they'll really compete for. You know, they, they didn't play for the cup title. Uh, more than likely, they won't play for the ACB title. You know, for them, this is this is their chance. This is their title. You know, to where Antwerp competed for the cup. Uh, I think they even won the cup. Uh, you know, they'll compete for the for the league title, and you know that goes into play. Of uh, that, this is, you know, this is everything to that experienced group of guys, and their experience shows. It shows when they're when they're down. It shows when they're on the roll. They don't make a lot of mistakes. And like I say, they they do a very, very, very good job offensively and defensively playing for each other and covering for each other. Uh, Antwerp obviously has got great chemistry. 
and they've got young, talented, up-and-coming guys. I think that we're going to continue to see uh, progress throughout the higher levels of Europe, and they're also very well coached, and uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, they don't have the – I don't think Antwerp's home court advantage is as big as, as Tenerife's home court advantage or as our home court advantage uh, because uh, the Belgium fans in general, I, I don't think, are as crazy as the Israeli fans or as the Spanish fans. Um, but it's Tenerife's experience is going to be very difficult, I think, to overcome. Yeah, and lo- looking specifically at Antwerp, um, so you guys lost to them early in the season, like Dave mentioned, uh, 101 to 89. But then you beat them later in the season in Jerusalem by 20 points. Uh, what did they do that gave you guys problems? And then what did you try to take away from them after that first game? Everything with Antwerp is, is played off Paris Lee. And, you know, he's, he's a very, very, very good player. And uh, he's very left-hand dominant. And so, you know, the goal against him in the first game was to really eliminate uh, his driving kicks. You know, so we, we wanted to pick and roll defensively play against him in a in a tight flat and when the ball crossed the free throw line have a late switch to where our guard peeled off and cracked down on the big man and force him to finish over size and length uh and try to take away the lob pass so force you know either had to finish over the length or throw a lob pass over the length or make a bounce pass where the guard could steal it and we wanted to choke off his driving kick threes and uh, I think he had 10 or 12 assists against us. He completely picked us apart defensively. We kept overhelping on him. And then the second game, we did a much better job of not overhelping on his drives. We were going to make him score 30, take away his assists, make him finish over our length, and try to force him into tough mid-range contested shots or finishes at the rim. And uh, in the second game, we did a really good job executing that. And most of the guys off their team uh, take a take away Tate play off Parisley. You know, Tate can create his own buckets a little bit more uh, than what everyone else can. So, you know, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how Antwerp uses Dzinski as a pick and pop five to try to stretch out Iverson. You know, that's uh, that's something that we didn't have. You know, they can play small ball with a stretch five and and try to force Iverson, you know, out on the perimeter. So it's going to be interesting to see how they try to attack him with their stretch bigs compared to us. You know, it's it's difficult for us to play with stretch four, stretch five in that situation. And, you know, the way that uh, the way that Tenerife plays offensively is they're going to try to pick your worst defender and force that guy to play in the pick and roll Tenerife's. One, twos, and threes can all play out of pick and rolls. And so what they try to do to us is, you know, if we put a bigger defender on Basis, you know, that's okay. They were just going to force Brusino to play in the pick and roll. You know, and so they, they, they do a very good job of adjusting their offensive play calls to attack specific guys in the pick and roll. And so Paris Lee is obviously a very good defender, uh, but they have, you know, Antwerp has some guys at the two and three that that aren't very good pick and roll defenders that I think that they're going to try to to force to play in multiple pick and roll actions and and use that as their weakness. And uh, they do a good job of of forcing guys to play multiple pick and rolls, kind of like what we do. We set a lot of screens, rescreens, and you know they're going to force uh, Bako and they're going to force Dzinski 
to play in two, three pick and rolls in the same possession, especially when Saez is in. He's very active. You 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 mentioned um, uh, sort of worst defender. They'll they kind of maybe will look uh, for worst defender. You mentioned Tate uh, in that first game uh, against you guys. Uh, Tate and Sanders uh, were fifteen of twenty six uh, for for forty six points, and you guys held them to nine of twenty five uh, for just twenty one. Um, was was how much of that do you think that the the Tenerife can can kind of not, I'm not going to say totally replicate, but is that something that they will also try to maybe that they should or would be uh, something that that they might go after? I mean, it's a different personnel set, obviously, from what you guys have and what they have. Uh, but do you see that as 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 something else that um, you know kind of limiting? Uh, you know, someone like Sanders who, who, who might need Lee, you know, to limit those other guys. Is that, is that something that you think that they have the personality, uh, the, the, the defensive personality and skill set to, in order to do? I think they can do, especially from the team standpoint. Like I said, they're very, very disciplined, uh, offensively and defensively as a team. They run their offensive system and defensive system at a very high level. They don't have probably the individual defenders that we have, uh, but they're probably a better help and help defensive team and a multiple rotation defensive team. And so they're going to do a good job of when Paris Lee drive penetrates and he kicks out to Sanders or uh, their shooter of running those guys off the line and then also making full rotations on them. And with Tate, you know, they have some sides that they can take away Tate's post game and also play, you know, defensively on the perimeter with him. You know, Tate is very, very left hand orientated. You know, so if if you force him to his right, he's a completely different player uh, going to his right compared to his left. And so I, I anticipate them, you know, really sitting on his left hand, taking away his post game with their size and and choking off Lee's driving kick situations. I yeah I'm a guy who actually um, who really likes left-handed players. It seems that you know they they have a special. It's kind of like left-handed uh, baseball hitters, I guess, kind of too. And um, wh- what what makes a left hand what what makes a left-handed player okay? It's obviously better that if he plays stronger with his right hand. But you know what makes a, a left-handed uh, player that much more difficult? Uh, to to defend against, and I mean, I guess you can kind of foreshadow this also looking ahead to Tyrese Rice as well. Um, what what's the real like true difference going lefty? Also, if you think about playing a left-handed tennis player uh, in tennis, you have to if you play almost all the righties, you know, your entire defense uh, against the serve is is totally different. And and shots, you can't go to a backhand; it's then their forehand. What's it like in basketball? Well, I, I think uh, a lot of it, number one, comes down to, you know, what what you're used to playing. If you're if you've playing 95 percent time against right hand players, you're used to thinking about cutting off the right hand drive. You're used to thinking about contesting the right hand shot with your left hand. You're used to, you know, so it's it's more so the habits that you pick up playing against, you know, right handed players 90 to 95 percent of the time. So now, you know, as as an instance, if you're. If you're sitting on Tate's right hand, he's quick enough to and strong enough to get by you to the left to put you on his hip and you're done. And so you may not understand the personnel of the left-hand guy and just make more of a, a habit 
mistake of sitting on a guy's right hand and then they can hurt you. You know, I, I think it's more so just comes down to habits, you know, and as big as anything. Is that something you know, that you guys at all in games, coaching staff say lefty, lefty, lefty at all, anytime during the season? Yeah, I mean, it's something we talk about all the time. You know, okay. we have specific personnel, especially with Tate. You know, if like in our personnel clips of him are, are showing, you know, four or five clips of when he's forced to go right and the turnovers and how he's out of control. And, uh, you know, he's also a bit charged. Uh, he, he gets a lot of charges. He can play a little bit out of control. But he's a very, very, very talented guy who killed us in the first game. I, I think he's really good. Let's let's transition to the other team in the final four that you guys played twice, that being Broza Bomberg. You you beat them in both games eighty eight to eighty five uh in Germany and then uh one oh three to eighty nine in um in Jerusalem. Uh this was really kind of two different uh kind of two different teams first game. You know, they didn't have Bryce Taylor, no uh Ricky Hickman. You also had Bogatskis as coach. Uh second game um, okay, Zizis didn't play, and you also had a different. Uh, you had a, the, the um, Federico Periga come in as the as the uh, as a coach. Um, maybe what what can you take from these two games as far as the transition of of this club? Maybe how they're different uh, over the the over the course of that season and the development, um, and then. Um, how, how, you know, is, was there a lot, was there, I mean, it's a very experienced, um, uh, and leaders, a very experienced team. How much, uh, tactically was different from one game to the next? You know, for us, when we played them in, in the second game, uh, it was, uh, it was one of the very first games of of the new coach mm-hmm. you know so they still ran a lot of the main sets uh that Bogotskis ran and uh you know so it's it's hard to say how they've evolved in in terms of what new sets he's sending because I I haven't really seen them play since we played him in the second game um you know with Bomberg obviously in my opinion they have uh probably the MVP of the Champions League in Tyrese Rice and you know he's uh he's probably the hardest player to guard in the champions league. And, uh, I think we did a pretty good job on him overall. And I think a a big reason why we, we beat them was defending him. One of the biggest differences between the way they played against us in the first game and the second game is playing mostly without a stretch big, uh, Yelovac played, uh, their stretch Serbian four played a lot of minutes against us in game one and, uh, didn't really play at, at all in game two. And, uh, you know, so they played with more two traditional bigs of uh, Harris and Rubit and uh, Alexander. You know, so they had mostly a little bit like us, two non-shooting bigs on the floor at all times. And so that can kind of change the way that you're defending pick and rolls and what your pick and roll coverage is and how you want to play the post. And that was kind of the, the biggest adjustment for us in, in game one versus game two. But... You know, when you're playing Bomberg, I, I think everything is about uh, starting off with Tyrese Rice. And, you know, he's a guy that makes – he makes and takes big shots. You know, he's a very shifty guard, lots of hesitations. You know, he's a guy that can score from all three levels. So now you have to figure out how do you defend Tyrese Rice. And it all comes down to trying to contain him. 
he's going to take his shots one way or another. You know, at the end of the day, he's going to get up his shots. It comes down to the quality of shots that you can force him into and using the fact that he, he doesn't really make the simple play. You know, if you watch Tyrese play, you know, especially out of a pick and roll, he's making the pass that leads to the shot or he's taking the shot. You know, he oftentimes doesn't make the, the quick, simple pass. And so for us, you know, we really tried to use strong side stunts on him. So, like, let's say he's playing uh, elbow pick and roll or pick and roll out of horns and he's going, you know, towards the corner. You know, traditionally, you don't help off the strong side corner. And for us, we really tried to use strong stunts off that corner against him because he doesn't he doesn't want to make that simple play to the corner. He wants to hit the roll guy or kick out guy on the other side. And so figuring out how to contain Tyrese, I think, is number one. And making sure every shot he takes is contested, you know, and, and living with sometimes is going to make him. He makes tough shots. He makes bad shots. And, you know, at the end of the day, his field goal percentage, you know, uh, the chances are on your side that he's he's not going to shoot so well from the field. If if you stay connected, stay attached, contain and force everything. I mean, every step back, every catch and shoot, every finish at the rim to be contested. And then, obviously, you have Rubit, and which, you know, I think Rubit, uh, he really hurt us both games. You know, he's, uh, they've got a true inside-outside punch, which uh, a lot of teams don't really have. They don't have the, the main guard uh, like Tyrese and then a guy that can score it from the mid-post and the post like Rubit. And... You know, when you throw Bomberg, that inside-outside punch in of putting pressure on the rim, which Tyrese can do and which Ruby can do, and then you surround them, you know, with really good shooters like Stucky and Bryce Taylor and Ricky Hickman and uh, Heckman. And, uh, you know, they're they're a very dangerous team because of that. You know, and I, I think in, in terms of individual talent, uh, I haven't really seen Bologna, but I think – out of the other three teams, they have the most individual talent uh, in the final four. And, you know, figuring out how you want to guard Rubit, you know, doubled him on the post, you know, especially, you know, when he's on uh, the right block where he's very, very effective and trying to, to take away his scoring some and force a few turnovers and take away, uh, Tyrese is scoring some and then you have to live with, you know, you have to live with some of the other guys having better nights. Yeah. You mentioned the, the rice is probably the MVP of the champions league. Uh, but you guys did a great job on him. You held him to eight points in both of your games on, on a combined six of 24 shooting. Um, you, you know, he's another lefty like Paris Lee. Uh, did, did you guys, you know, you mentioned some of the defenses where you were bringing over guys from the strong side to help, uh, w- would you play him pretty similar to Lee or are they, you know, no, Lee is different players. Yeah. Lee is different. Lee is, Lee's got a little bit more pure point guard in him, and, and Lee is willing to make the simple play, you know, with Lee, Lee doesn't have the, the individual scoring ability, consistent scoring, ability. okay, Lee can have 25, 30, but Tyrese can, you know, consistently have 25, 30. And so with Lee, He's a little bit more dangerous, I, I think, as a pure point guard that's willing to make the simple play that if you help off the strong side corner, being able to make that, you know, that, that simple play to the strong side corner or making the swing-swing pass to where Tyrese wants to be the decision maker. 
And so with Lee, everything was about trying to play the pick and roll two on two and choking off his driving kick situations, you know, staying connected. He's very quick. Uh, he's, you know, a little bit more left-hand dominant in terms of going to the left and what Tyrese is. Tyrese can score it every possible way you can imagine, right, left. You know, he attacks both ways, plays both ways. And, uh, you know, so we played Tyrese more like a, a score that we have to contain, and we were willing to use the strong side stunts on off. We were going to live with if he made the simple play. And with uh, Lee, we wanted to take away his simple plays. We wanted to make Lee score, and that, that was kind of our goal. With, without maybe the – the in-depth knowledge of, of Bologna, uh, you know, usually, uh, usually two guys are not really enough to win a game, uh, for a team. Usually you need at least that third guy, um, to, to really put in, uh, uh, you know, really, really solid production. You, you know, you're going to most likely get it from Rice and, you know, Ruben has, has been so great all season. Um, Again, without necessarily knowing exactly maybe what Bologna can or can't do, who do you think, or, or who do you, who would you be safe in saying uh, would probably be, let's say, uh, Bomberg's most most certain third wheel to to get them a victory in this? I think Zesis. Uh, you know, his experience is at a very high level. You know, he's a guy that especially. You know, they, he's very, very, very good playing out of the Spinulis action, which uh, they ran a lot for him. They ran a lot of the Spinulis action. He's a great decision maker. And he can control the team, you know, maybe a little bit better than what Rice can. You know, Rice can push him and get him going, and, and they can be a really high-octane offense. But, you know, when they have to slow down, set up, execute their offense, and, and play off experience, uh, you know, I think a lot of times they want the ball – in Zesis's hands, you know, not necessarily for the end of game, four seconds on the clock, four, you know, seconds on the shot clock situation. But when the other team has gone on a run, you know, I think Zesis brings a lot of experience and leadership and high IQ to be able to, you know, to be able to run the ship and to be able to calm everyone down and, and play smartly. And, and he's a guy that's, you know, I think is, uh, he can be a killer for him. And a lot of things that he does, doesn't show up in the stat sheet. Tyrese is completely different than what Zesis wants to do. And you have to execute the personnel game plan of who you are defending in the pick and rolls differently than the way that you have to with uh, Tenerife and with Antwerp. Because in, in Tenerife, their, their three guards are very similar in pick and rolls to take out White. Uh, but they're, they're very similar. So, you know, okay, this is how we defend these three guys in the pick and rolls. And in Antwerp, you can defend Sanders and Lee, you know, very close to the same. But Zesis and, and Tyrese, you, you know, it's more about personnel, I think, against Bomberg uh, than any team because they have such good individual talent that you have to really remember what Tyrese wants to do in the pick and roll, what Zesis wants to do in the pick and roll. What way is Hickman – and uh, Heckman attacking closeouts. What does Rubit want to do in the post? What does Alexander want to do in the post? And, you know, they've got a good collection of experienced talent. And, 
young up-and-coming talent. And and I think Zesis is the third most important guy. All right. I I imagine you were probably fearing this. Um you could at least figure out who you know from your own side who you who you would maybe pick in the in the uh, Tenerife uh, uh, Tenerife um, Antwerp game. Uh, I'm sure you have an opinion, uh, maybe about Bologna and and Bamberg. Maybe so. So give us who you think is going to win, um, and maybe why. I think Tenerife without seeing Bologna is the best actual team. They're the best team in terms of offensively, defensively, executing their game plan, executing the adjustments. They did a very good job of, of making halftime adjustments and making adjustments between game one and two and executing them. You know, every coach is, is going to go into halftime, is going to go into a game with their game plan and what their adjustments are. And usually the team that best executes the game plan has the greatest chance of victory. And, you know, I, I think Tenerife brings that their experience, their talent. So I, I would choose Tenerife over over Antwerp uh, because uh, Tenerife, both teams are very, very well coached. Uh, but, you know, both teams have done a good job of keeping the core of their team. You know, so the so the chemistry is really good. But I think the experience uh of Tenerife is going to really pay big difference. And like I said, the fact that this is, this is all or nothing for them. This is the only chance that they have to win a title all year long. This is everything. They've put all the money on the line for this game. And, uh, you know, they've got really good individual players with Abramitis and Biran and, you know, the way that they can, can play when Byran is on the floor and when he's off the floor is completely different. They're very post-orientated, play a lot through him when he's on the floor and when he's off the floor. They're very four-out uh, orientated. When Abramitis gets hot, he's, you know, they're very, very tough to play. And on the other side, you know, I haven't seen Bologna. And obviously, you know, they've made a coaching change. They've played very well since making the coaching change. And uh, Bomberg's been a little bit up and down. They've had some highs winning the cup. And obviously knocking off Ike to make it to the Final Four, and then they've lost a few games in uh, in the Bundesliga recently. You know, I think they still have the best individual talent. And when you're playing in one game, when only one game matters, you know, talent is a big portion of it. You know, because they can have such such a good individual game. Tyrese Rice can have such a good individual game, which we've seen all season long, that he can carry you. And when you have a guy of his talent on the floor, you can be down 10, 12, 14 points in the fourth quarter. It doesn't matter. He can erase that. So, you know, I think they're the, the more dangerous dangerous team potentially on the other side without, I say that without ever seeing Bologna play. So I, I, you know, I've never seen him play. Um, you know, but I, out of the three teams that we've played against, I think Tenerife is the, the best team. I think they're the best actual team. And, uh, you know, so I, I would pick them to make it to the finals. And once again, you know, without seeing Bologna, I, I would pick them to win the title. All right. And then uh, to, to kind of close it out, we just have just a couple more questions, bringing it back to Jerusalem. Um, you know, you guys are probably my favorite team to watch in the BCL this season. Uh, mine, so it's a shame you didn't too. make it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a, a shame you didn't make it to the Final Four, but you still have uh, quite a bit of basketball ahead of you. Uh, what, what's next for you guys in the Israeli League? Uh, where, where are you guys at 
in the standings right now? When do the playoffs start? And, and just kind of how are you how are you guys looking in that league right now? Uh, right now we're in third place. Uh, you know, we we have to come back and and get guys healthy. You know, we had some some injury problems uh, that we faced in Tenerife, and so. You know, we're waiting for Chris Johnson and Jake Coven Brown uh, to to really be healthy. Next, we play a team called Beersheva, a uh, very very talented team. They've got some very good individual players, tough style of play, uh, number one offensive rebounding team in the league. They're very physical. Um, you know, we have six games left. Currently, we're in third behind Maccabi and Halone. Uh, but you know we're in we're in good position. You know I, I think uh, we've had a good season so far, and you know the biggest advantage I think we have on our team is we have you know really high character, good guys, and uh, you know we don't have uh, we don't have that one guy that's just an attitude problem that's that you know that brings it to the table. And and I think down the stretch when guys are tired, when it's ending the near the season, guys are are hurt. You know I think character can take care of a lot and so you know i think we're in very good position heading into the playoffs you know the format in the israeli league is a little bit different of uh, the quarterfinals are best of five and then it goes to a final four format and you know if you look on the the bottom of the israeli league the individual talent is so high like the bottom teams in the league have got guys that have been in the nba and, you know, so across the board, there's NBA level talent, you know, from the worst team to the best team. And so when you get to that final four format, you know, it's like it is in Champions League. You know, man, it's talent can win a lot of games. And so you can be a you can be a better team. You know, you can have a better record. And like when I was here the first year, you know, we won the title and uh, uh, two years ago in Hapol, Jerusalem. And. You know, the eighth-seeded team uh, is who we face in the title. You know, they knocked off Maccabi Tel Aviv, and they knocked off another really good team because they're, you know, they, they hit the right stride and they had such good individual talent that in that Final Four, anyone can beat anyone. So it'll be interesting to see how it finishes for us, but, you know, we're in a good place, good guys, guys coming back from injury, and when we get finally healthy, I think we'll can go back to playing at the level of uh, the team that you fell in love with uh, during Champions League. <laughs> um, I've actually one of the guys I've been championing uh, been championing actually all season uh, as I've been saying one of the most underrated uh, 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 least talked about guys uh, is Tashawn Thomas. Um, just the, everything that he does uh, at both ends of the of the floor. You know, he was with Alone last year, played a uh, played in Champions League. Um, I actually, uh, to be honest, I don't really. Uh, I don't really remember watching him very much uh, when he was at the uh, NBC here in Germany uh, in the 15-16 season, but had uh, just been uh, thoroughly enjoying his his season this year. Um, I have him actually on my all-star lineup uh, as as one of the top two forwards, uh, along with Vince Hunter for the season. Maybe just your thoughts about uh, about Tashawn and, and what he's been able to do this year. You know, Tay has had a has had a great season. Um, you know, he's he he fits our team and what we need really well. And you know, number one, it, it starts with Tayshon. Of you know, some of the things we've we've tried to get on about about improving individually, he's completely bought into. You know, his rebounding numbers 
uh, are, you know, almost doubled, I think, from last year. You know, and so that was one of the big things with, with Tay was we took him aside and said, hey, man, you know, with your length, with your athleticism and your mobility, you've got to be a high-level rebounder. And uh, he's improved that through the course of the year. And, you know, he's bought in. He does early work, extra work, watches film, wants to be coached. You know, he, he wants to see his mistakes after every game. And, you know, he's a guy I think that you're going to continue to see really evolve and grow uh, as a player throughout in Europe. And, you know, he's he's improved his perimeter shots some this year. And I think that's the next step forward for him, you know, when he becomes a stretch big. And I believe he has the ability to, to be a guy that can, you know, can be a threat on a catch and shoot from three and, and play off, uh, you know, the mid-range off the block, kind of like what Rubik can. He's going to be really dangerous. And then it goes to our system, you know. Um, he played for our assistant coach last year in Halone, and uh, him and our head coach really pushed for us to sign him. And uh, our head coach has has done a really, really good job of using him in his system. You know, and if you watch, Tayshawn brings the ball up for us, and he starts a lot of our plays, and we play through him. And a lot of our offense is predicated upon uh, having really good passing bigs. And Tayshawn is an excellent and willing passer. You know, he's a, you can't say he's a triple-double threat, but he's, he's a double-double with five, six assists threat. And for, you know, a guy that can play as a four, as a five, you know, it makes him really dangerous. And, you know, he's, uh, I, I agree with you, he's one of the most not talked about productive guys that there is and uh you know he's he's a very quiet person you know he doesn't play necessarily with all of the emotion that like james feldine and jacobin brown play with you know he's kind of like that that quiet killer but you know he's had some games of 20 plus rebounds this year and uh he's he is a huge huge part of our success and he's a huge part of the success of our system and why we've been, you know, throughout champions league, uh, the, the best offensive team, the highest scoring team and the best offensive rebounding team, you know, because it's, he makes our offense go, you know, with his ability to pass and make decisions and, and do multiple things. So he's, I agree with you. He's excellent. Hapo Jerusalem might not be at the uh, Basketball Champions League Final Four uh, coming up uh, May 3rd to the 5th in Antwerp, but uh, they have played three of the four teams, and I want to uh, really thank uh, Ryan Pannon, the assistant coach there, uh, for coming on and, and really doing a great job breaking down uh, you know, the three teams and, uh, and, and, and really making uh, all of us a little bit smarter. Uh, thanks, uh, Ryan, for, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks again to Ryan Pannon, the assistant coach from Hapoel Jerusalem, for his time this week. Dave, there was a lot of great in-depth analysis there, a bunch of uh, coaching nerdiness uh, for people who love that sort of thing. So some great, great stuff there from Ryan. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, he talked about how tough it is to deal with a guy like Tyrese Rice and, and the respect he has for him and, and his craft and everything. Uh, I, I, I thought that was interesting. What else really jumped out to you from what Ryan had to say? Well, I'm happy that he, 
I would I would kind of say confirmed my thoughts that you know th- that Shane Thomas uh, you know really deserves to be up there um, as 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 one of the uh, in my eyes one of the top five players uh, in the uh, in the in the BCL. Um, there was so much in there. <laughs> also, if you you know you said it, co- you know co- um, uh, coach nerdiness um, and uh, you know. I was I was never a coach, uh, and I, I never really played the game. I've I've watched the game a lot, um, and you know I'm a I'm a full you know full blood uh, you know journalist, and uh, um, so it, it was really cool to uh, to to hear a coach you know really talk about a team that uh, teams that we you know we've really been following all year, and and you know kind of gave me a little bit uh, of you know, inside perspective on on how coaches go about, you know, uh, attacking teams, uh, defending teams. Um, you know, so that, that was some, some really great stuff. Um, and, uh, there's a couple of things that I want to keep kind of keep for the, for the preview show next week. Uh, spoiler, we'll be talking, we'll be previewing the final four, uh, next week on next week's show. So I kind of want to keep a couple of things for that. Um, but you know, I I just really thought that, uh, you, you know, actually, actually, for me, one of the one of the things that I was probably really uh, interested, uh, and in, I think, uh, you know, was this left-handed thing, you know, because, uh, you know, I'm I, I really love left-handed uh, players, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it if it if it's kind of a, uh, you know, it seems like a little bit of a different mentality, whatever, you know, play tennis, like I mentioned, you go and it's a totally different game plan just, and to hear that it, you know, that, that, that players, you know, have to be reminded even, yeah, you know, you, you know, we, he said, you know, we say it all week, you know, this guy's a lefty. Um, and, uh, you know, just to think, you know, your whole career, you, you know, more or less you go against righties, you know, that's, I always play tennis against righties. And then one time I, I played against a guy who was a lefty and everything I, everything, you know, kind of goes out, out the window because you have to totally re, you know, reconfigure your brain, say that, you know, these, you know, a certain shot is not, you know, is not going to, to work, you know, it's ineffective because it plays to that, that player's strength. And, and so, um, to hear that, that, that is actually effective, that that's also the case in, in, in basketball was kind of, was kind of cool. So, uh, but yeah, so much, so much great stuff in there. And, 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 uh, you know, thanks, thanks for Ryan for coming on and, 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 and being willing to, to, to really break down these teams for us and give our listeners uh, a chance to, to hear, you know, how, how the, how a coach, you know, that had to play all these teams three, to, uh, twice, um, you know, really went at it. Uh, what, what were some of the things that really kind of stood out for you? Yes. Sticking with the left-handed thing. I thought it was really interesting talking about the differences between trying to stop Tyrese Rice and Paris Lee, who are both, uh, small point guards, left-handed guys, very dynamic, can score, can pass. Uh, but you know, but they defended them in different ways where he was saying with Paris Lee, they tried to take away the simple play from him, uh, because he, he, he's the kind of guy who, who will just make the, the simple read. They tried to take that away, make him make tough plays and, and more complex decisions because he's a younger point guard, you know, but Tyrese Rice, 
a guy who's super experienced. They tried to force him into making the simple play. Uh, I, I, I thought that was, that was interesting. And, you know, talking about Rice, I think he's somebody that a guy like Paris Lee and, and all young point guards really should be studying. Uh, just his footwork, the way that he can get to his spots whenever he wants, the little hesitations that he has, the, all, all the little tricks that Tyrese Rice has picked up along the way. I think it would be great for somebody like Paris Lee to watch him really closely and study him. And, you know, maybe, maybe Paris Lee eventually can, can get to that MVP level that Tyrese Rice was playing at this year. Uh, but I, I thought that was really interesting, just kind of comparing and contrasting those two guys. And then the stuff about Tenerife, of course, um, you know, kind of, I think confirming what we knew a little bit in some regards where they're a different team at home. They come out with incredible energy and confidence and their shooters are just phenomenal at home. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting him talking about some of their pick and roll coverages, how they take away the roll man. They take away the alley-oop opportunities off of those pick and rolls. They force you to do something else. I, th- I thought all of that was really interesting as well. So great insight there from Ryan. We really appreciate him coming on the show and, and giving us some inside information into how he goes about uh, scouting some of these teams. I also thought it was interesting that he hasn't seen Bologna at all this season. And I thought that just speaks to how focused these guys have to be on the challenge that's in front of them. You know, in the, in the group stage, you're watching all the teams from your group, you're doing your scouting there, your game planning, trying to focus on that. And then once you get into the playoffs, you're just focused on the matchup in front of you, spending all of your time uh, in, in Jerusalem's case, Neptunis, and then Tenerife in the quarterfinals. So I, I, I thought that was interesting because Bologna have been one of the funnest teams to watch all year. Really exciting team, uh, but he hasn't seen them at all just because you know he's got to spend so much time looking at the opponent right there ahead of them coming up next. So I thought that was really interesting, uh, Dave. Any, any final thoughts on that before we wrap it up? That's that's uh, you know that is a that is a good point. You know, really, you know, you hear it all the time, but you know, game by game, you know, just <laughs> um, you know, just thinking game by game, and 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 only looking at the game ahead of us. You know, the next game that's all that matters. You know, and that's that's kind of how these. I mean. You know, they have, they have, you know, all of these games are so important every game that, you know, you, you know, you, th- there's no other mentality really that can work or, or that, or, or, or that's effective. Let's say that. So, yeah, I mean, again, thanks to, to Ryan for doing it. It was, uh, you know, it's not something he had to do. And, you know, we called this team a, 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 a you know, a serious title contender for the BCL and they're a serious title contender. Uh, in in uh, for the domestic league in um, in Israel. So uh, you know, again, uh, from my side, thanks a lot for for Ryan. Hope everybody learned some stuff, and I'm I'm sure everybody learned something from all that great stuff. Yeah, thanks again to Ryan for coming on the show. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Dave mentioned we will have a Final Four preview with Deacon Lloyd-Smith, Igor Jerkovic, the two great writers from Champions League.basketball. That's going to be coming up next week. We'll look at these matchups, uh, both of the semifinals in depth. We'll pick our winners. We'll pick our MVPs for the Final Four. That's coming up next week, May 3rd through the 5th in Antwerp. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Dave, any, any final thoughts on that? Uh, no, just, uh, one more, one more show, uh, before we get to, uh, before we get to, uh, to watch the big, uh, 
the big final four. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing event. Make sure you subscribe to livebasketball.tv if you haven't done that already to watch the final four. You can also go back and watch some of the quarterfinal games if you want to do a little more preparation. Those are up on the official YouTube channel for the Basketball Champions League. Make sure you download the official Champions League app. Visit the website championsleague.basketball to read some of these great articles to get you ready for the Final Four. The big event is coming up. This is what they play for. The title is on the line. May 3rd is the semifinals. And then Sunday, May 5th, the third place game. And then the championship to crown the 2018-19 Basketball Champions League winners. It's going to be an amazing event. Make sure you check it out. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Ryan Pannon for joining us, for Dave Hine over in Germany. My name is Austin Green. We'll catch you next week. This has been BCL Coast to Coast. (laughs) 